Welcome to Health and Life Sciences at the Edge, where we talk about modern challenges and future solutions. Brought to you by the Intel Internet of Things Group. Hello and welcome to Health and Life Sciences at the Edge, the series that makes sense of use cases across industries brought to you by the Intel Internet of Things Group. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Midas Health's virtual desktop infrastructure solution for home diagnostic reporting. I'm your host, Gabrielle, and I'm joined today by Maria Marieka and Rahul Mehta from Intel. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having us. Hi. Um, Hi. So my name's Maria Marieka. Great introduction there on the name. Um, I'm one of the account executives in the health and life sciences team in the, in the UK. Um, and work very closely with Rahul and the rest of the Midas Health team. Hi, my name is Rahul Mehta. Um, so I'm one of the co-founders of Midas Health based out of the UK. Um, I'm very privileged to be working with, with Maria and the Intel team. Thanks very much for having us. Absolutely. Lovely to meet you both. Now, my first question is for Maria. Why is there currently such a severe shortfall in the skilled medical workforce you know, required to diagnose the increasing volume of imaging? Yeah, I'm happy to take to take this first question. And I think before we go into trying to answer the, the question directly, it's important to take a step back and to look at some of the challenges that are faced by global healthcare systems around the world, namely the fact that we have an aging population. So there are more people today that are 65 years old and above um, than we have, you know, children under five years old. So really significant statistic there around the aging population. And then we add on to that the fact that there's more people than ever living with multiple chronic conditions. We really have a big increase in need for healthcare to be provided. And with that, you know, to answer the, the question that you asked initially, there is more imaging, um, medical imaging scans being done, and there's more need for radiologists, pathologists, you know, other medical imaging experts to look at these scans. So. Um, if we use the terminology of demand and supply on the demand side, we have an increased need um, for experts to look at, at these medical imaging um, scans that are being taken. On the supply side, though, there is a big global um, shortage of, of skilled professionals. And in the UK in particular, the Royal College of Radiologists reported that in 2020, there was a shortage of 33% of, um, of radiologists, and that's meant to be going up by 2024 to 43%. So out of all the jobs that are going to be open for radiologists by 2024, we think that 43% are going to be left unfilled. Um, and, you know, of course, if the demand is there, those are very, very alarming, um, alarming figures. And so... Um, there's, you know, there's a view that, well, surely we just need more people to be trained up and skilled to be able to support this demand. And that is for sure a way of looking at it. Um, but again, looking at some recent studies that actually depict how um, the, the radiologist population feels, um, there is um, there's an understanding that a lot of these radiologists at the back of the long working hours for COVID are really demoralized in their jobs. Some of them are looking at reducing their hours going forward and some of them even considering leaving some of those jobs. So 
you know, increasing the, the number of staff um, in, in this space, skilled staff, might not be as easy as we first think of it. It's, it's also worth adding that, you know, the, the skills shortage is is also um, uh, down to, um, so radiologists are highly trained doctors, right? They, they, they train for many years to be able to be specialists in their screen. And so, so radiologists are leaving uh, the, the industry quite quickly for, for lots of reasons, right? Some of them that we've been talking about in terms of burnout and, and working environments and things like that. Um, but it's also worth noting that it's not, as an industry, we're not attracting radiologists into this space. Uh, and so what's happening is that because the industry um, isn't attractive because of the technology available, because of the work patterns available, because of the uh, stress and the strain that's being applied to it, um, we're, we're finding that there's a divergence between, uh, as as Maria puts it, supply and demand, right? Uh, the the uh, demand is increasing, the supply is just not there. Um, and, and that's, uh, you know, uh, that, that's an area that's concerning. Um, it's an area that we're trying to promote. Uh, it's a it's an area that we're trying to um, uh, get more traction in by giving them the tools, the environment, the capability for them to be effective radiologists, which is effectively what they wanted to be in the first place. Right? Yeah, and just to just to wrap it up, I think um just want to close by saying that you know Intel's vision is in this space through technology to enable solutions that look at these alternative ways beyond just staffing of. How can we support this increasing need for, you know, medical imaging diagnosis? And some of the ways that we're looking at um, relate to, well, how do we make um, the diagnostic pathways more efficient, right? Can we speed up the, the time to diagnosis? And we're talking to some of our partners and customers around using artificial intelligence to make some of that happen. Other areas that we're looking at is enabling solutions um, you know, potentially that mean that radiologists can work from somewhere else than the hospitals to try and make some of these roles more attractive uh, back to the retention problem that Rahul was alluding to. Absolutely. There's so many factors that go into it among the retention and efficiency and worker burnout just across the board. There's so many things that go into this. And, you know, Maria, there's been a, a large increase for remote workers across the global healthcare sectors and to help with care equality. So this has been a catalyst to push forward other longer term strategies like regional networks, community diagnostic hubs, and remote working setups for radiology departments, NHS wide. So how do the current remote diagnostic technologies used by the NHS work? Yeah, um, very big, broad question with uh, many strings to pull from it and 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 dive into. So I'll I'll start it off by looking at something that we've seen across industries. Right, we've seen a really big increase in adoption of technology over the last two years through the COVID nineteen pandemic, um, and we've seen the this increase of um, people working from elsewhere than the offices that they were traditionally based in. That's no different to what we've seen happen in the healthcare environment. So in the healthcare environment, we've seen the rise of something um, that is known as telehealth. Um, and the first time that I heard telehealth myself, I thought, well, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to get phone calls from the GP or the nurse or the clinician um, in case, in, instead of speaking to them face to face or going in physically. And, and telehealth covers part of that, right? But it also covers the part of, you know, where is that clinician, that nurse, that doctor based? 
what technology are they using? So it's not just on the patient's side, um, you know, that they're distancing themselves from the hospital facilities and using technology to interact. The same applies on the, the side that healthcare is, is being provided. And so the way that we look at this at Intel is that um, there is, you know, there is a big um, trend coming up, which is the distribution of, of care from hospitals into the community and into people's homes. Um, and all enabled by technology that make the connections that can't happen face to face possible. So um, if we if we think about um, one of the um, points that we looked at earlier, the fact that there's a big shortage of skilled radiologists in the UK to make matters um, you know even more challenging in the UK, over half of the health boards and trusts don't have the the facilities and the staff to run 24-7 radiology services. And that means that if somebody comes in with um, a head injury at 3 a.m. that needs a scan and there isn't somebody there available to diagnose that in a timely way, um, that might be, you know, life-saving, we have a big challenge here. And, And this is where remote reporting, remote solutions come in. Um, being adopted at the other end of um, of health of healthcare where the provider is. So if a provider has a remote reporting solution at home, they could diagnose that at 3 a.m. through a quick phone call from, you know, potentially being a three-hour drive from the hospital where that happened. So this is the true power of remote reporting solutions um, in this space. Yeah, it's also worth expanding on that a little bit by, by I mean, we mentioned things like um, community hubs and, and networks. Um, and so um, the, the way that the industry is moving in the NHS, at least in the UK at the moment, is uh, the NHS is, is asking hospitals to come together and act as almost like super hospitals. So if you've got four, five, six hospitals in a geographic area that are, you know, in close proximity, um, what they're asking them to do is share their resources. Okay, uh, by resources we mean radiologists, pathologists, cardiologists, right, clinicians. Um, now, for you to do that traditionally, that would mean that you would physically have to connect these hospitals together, make sure that you could distribute those images, make sure everybody has access to all the different systems. You'd have to unify all the platforms within the hospitals so everybody could do um, all their job in any in any hospital all of the time really 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 hard to do right and so um for for us from a mitis point of view we sort of took that problem away and said rather than having to um connect everything if we can make the access mechanism uniform and then the way that they do that diagnosis becomes simpler right and that that's the hardest bit is getting access to the platform to the solution to the to the repositories where the images are held and so what we said is that rather than saying right we're going to have to network these hospitals together and then unify all of their imaging um, repositories together. We're just going to take uh, a different approach, which is create an abstraction layer so that the uh, clinician can come in in a uniform way, but then distribute that out to the hospitals and then get access to the images that they need to be able to get access to. And that takes away the complexity of having to connect those hospitals together. Mm -hmm. And that does two things, right? From a community point of view, it means that now you've not got, you know, maybe 10 radiologists per hospital, but now you've got 60 radiologists across the hospitals and they they all have the ability to um, provide 
essential diagnosis skills to any of those patients across all of those hospitals. It also means now you've got a much more diverse skill set. Um, so, you know, if, if there's a specialist of some kind that only works in one hospital, before you may have had to wait three, four, five weeks to get access to that person. Now they're available across the network of hospitals so that that patient care, the, the cadence of patient care increases dramatically, right? Um, and it also means that from a working environment perspective, so when it comes to things like training or collaboration or second opinions, um, you know, you now have this ability through the VDI environment to be able to do all those things which you couldn't do before. So it means that now you, you start to create a much more attractive working environment that helps with the retention. It helps with the attraction of radiologists. It makes it a much more appealing industry, which it was, you know, many years ago. That's exactly what it was. It was a very appealing industry to be in. Over the years, lots of pressures have come in and it's not so appealing any longer. We're, we're trying to get that back in by providing a fit for purpose environment so that the radiologist is happy and is content and it's, you know, it's not stressed in, in doing their jobs any longer. Absolutely. And this is just a great solution, like, as you said, for communities and assistance with diversity and skill set and, you know, widening yeah. availability for patient care through uh, the introduction of all of these things. So uh, wonderful. Raul, this next question is for you. Can you please tell me just a little bit more about that, about Midas's health virtual desktop infrastructure, or known as sure. BDI, their solution for home diagnostic reporting, which has been built specifically for diagnostic yeah. purposes. So we, we took the we took the view. So VDI technology, virtual desktop infrastructure technology has been around for many, many years. Uh, it's been used in lots of different forms for lots of different industries. Um, it hasn't necessarily found its way into primary diagnosis. Okay, And the reason for that really is a couple of things. In, in the UK, um, we have a body called the Royal College of Radiology. They set the standards in terms of what radiologists can do and how they can do it. Um, and they stipulate uh, a whole bunch of things that you need to be able to conform to, to be able to do that primary diagnosis. If you are going to do um, some kind of um, uh, remote um, diagnosis, then what you need to do is you need to make sure that the image that the radiologist is looking at is 100% of the image that was taken, right? You can't afford to have any degradation in the quality of that image. Otherwise, you could be misdiagnosing, you know, you could be opening up to, uh, the patient to risk, all kinds of things start to, to come into play. Um, the VDI platform, the VDI industry as a, as a whole, hasn't really taken that use case seriously. Um, and so what we did is that we looked at, uh, we looked at the, the premise of VDI, we looked at the, the mechanics of how that was being um, delivered, we looked at the components available in the market today to say, right, is there a way of using commodity technology, commodity hardware, commodity software to be able to deliver that um, mechanism to to a hospital, to a radiologist, and we found that there wasn't. Um, and and we looked, and and you know, I'm from a financial services background. I've been doing this for many many years, and we thought it'd be simple to take a, a platform that's been built for a different sector and make it applicable for for healthcare. Doesn't work that way because the regulations and the rules and the standards that you've got to meet. So we took a long time to build this through, um, you know, with partnerships with people like Intel um, and, and made it specifically for primary diagnosis. So that means that we can guarantee that the image that the radiologist um, sees, whether you're two miles down the road or whether you're in Australia, and we've tested it from here to Australia just to, to validate that, um, that image is is 100% of the image. And that's important because we achieve that by, without having to transfer the data. So that's the other side of the problem is the way that that mechanism works today is you create a point to point connection, right? So the hospital 
and the radiologist have a VPN, a point-to-point -point connection, and they move the data from point A to point B, right, from the hospital to the PC at the remote end. Now, if you think that that's, um, let's say you've had a CT or an MRI scan, it could be a thousand slice scan. Each one of those scans is a high definition image, which could be a gigabyte in size. And if you've got a thousand of them and you've got to transfer that over a, a low bandwidth, high latency link or some kind of poor bandwidth capability, you could be waiting 20 minutes for that image set to come down. And then it has to re-render itself on the home, on the PC at the remote end. So radiologists could be waiting 15, 20, 25 minutes before they can actually start working to do any kind of diagnosis. That's dead time. Now, in, in the case of a trauma situation where literally every second counts, you know, somebody's been in a car crash, somebody's been in an accident, and they need to figure out, you know, how badly that person has been, um, you know, how bad that accident was, waiting half an hour to get that diagnosis is literally life or death type situations, right? It, with, with VDI technology, you don't have to do any of that. As soon as the scan is taken, it's available at the other end because we're streaming. We're streaming that image set in the same way as you have popular streaming technologies, you know, when you're moving, watching movies at home. Um, you know, it's a, it's a variation of that. We stream that image pixel for pixel. We maintain the integrity of the image. We maintain the integrity of this grayscale. We make sure it confirms to the DICOM curve. So these are all standards that the Royal College and the NHS stipulate. Um, and, and because we maintain all of those standards, we, we can guarantee that the image that you see at the remote end is 100% fidelity of the image that was taken, but now without the need of transferring data, right? And that's the key bit. You're not compromising patient confidentiality. You're not introducing leakage. Uh, you're protecting G GDPR in, in Europe. Um, you're not, you don't have the ability to introduce viruses back from the home PC back into the hospital. And that was a big problem for the for the NHS a couple of years ago. There was a big um, malware and, and cybersecurity breach because of things like the WannaCry virus. And so all of those things have now been taken away by using VDI. It's a completely abstracted technology, but it's quick, it's efficient, it's secure, and it maintains um, a complete working environment that the radiologist is used to using if you are physically in the hospital themselves, right? And one of the use cases that we're, we're working with um, is in war zones, right? You know, if you're if you're in a in a war zone type um, situation and a soldier has been taken, you know, it's been shot or whatever it is, and you've taken an X-ray or you've taken some kind of scan, there is no hospital there for them to go to to say, right, can you analyze my scan? You've got a source of data and you want to get that data to somebody. So with our technology, you you can now do that, right? Whereas before, you would have to take that data give it to a hospital, then they would have to find a radiologist, then they would have to transfer the data, then you'd get the diagnosis. I mean, it's a big sequence of, you know, ifs, buts, maybes. With, with this, it's literally point to point. You just take it, um, you you download our software, you can then stream the, the image over to us, um, and you're good to go. So, you know, it makes it very, very flexible. It's lovely technology, and just the strides we've made in this area is incredible. And, you know, Maria, I would love it if you could tell us, how would this new system help medical professionals like radiologists, pathologists, and cardiologists gain more flexibility, as Raul was saying, and a better work-life balance? Yeah, um, I can. I could think of maybe twenty different things that I could say in here, but I'm going to try and um, try and keep it keep it short um, and allow Rahul to add some more as well. But I think the first one um, to mention is, you know. Being um, having the opportunity to leverage um, solutions like the one of Mitis Health that Rahul touched on, you know, and do that work 
um, remotely or from, from elsewhere other than the hospital um, can be really beneficial because there are less interruptions if you're not in a hospital. Um, now, I know many people might disagree because of their experience through the first year of COVID, right? Being at home with family and pets and a bunch of other, you know, additional interruptions they wouldn't have usually had. But as we as we move into, you know, what is known as the new normal, we hear that phrase a lot. There should technically be less interruptions um, for a radiologist at home than there would be um, in a hospital environment where, you know, a fellow radiologist or a clinician or a nurse might knock on their door every two minutes, distracting them away from, you know, diagnosing that scan that they're looking at. So that's that's the first one, right? Less interruptions might mean more scans being done within the same time period. Um, the one related to this is the fact that they are away from a hospital environment. Again, back to the COVID-19 example, you know, through COVID-19, hospitals had additional social distancing measures, additional cleaning requirements, and they were absolutely necessary. And, and you know, and the time needed dedicating to those. But if you don't need to be in the hospital, that is taking time away from you doing job number one. In the case of a radiologist, you know, potentially scanning some additional scans. So being at home, again, in, in a situation like that, allows you to be more productive. Um, the, the example that Rahul alluded to, the war zone piece, I really like because it, it really made me think of radiologists can now have the flexibility to live wherever they like, right? Or, or any of these other medical imaging experts that are providing the diagnosis. They could live out on a farm if they wanted to, you know, to be closer to nature and still be able to do their job if they have the, 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 the kit and the setup that allows them to do that, which is which is wonderful, right? Um, and the the last um, point that I, that I'd like to mention is something that I think is beyond healthcare, and that many of us have have experienced. I personally know that I have that. You know, through through the last few years, I have realized that my mental health and my stress levels are in a much better place if I can work when I'm most productive. Or when I can, because of, you know, any other personal, um, you know, needs that I may have or any other um, circumstances that might take me away from doing, you know, the nine till five job. And thinking back about one of the, the discussion points that we had earlier around the low morale amongst some of the radiologists that we're seeing, you know, after the long working hours through COVID, um, if they can't do that nine till five job, they might be more than happy to pick up um, some of the scans and do them, you know, at 8 or 9 p.m. And that might lead, you know, to a better work-life balance, to how happy they are in their jobs. Um, and again, to higher retention, because we know that is going to be a challenge going forward for some of these specialists. So um, it might really help tackle some of that increasing um, need that we have for professionals in this space if they have this flexibility. Absolutely. I think it just opens up a lot more opportunities. And those radiologists on the farms just have to make sure they have a really good internet connection, right? Well, not necessarily. And that's that's also part of the beauty of the solution, yeah. because that was one of the limiting factors, right? Um, it, you know, one of the things that stopped people from being able to use uh, solutions like this was bandwidth. We are mm -hmm. now all in a very connected world, but some places are not as connected as others, right? But with, with this solution, because you're not moving data, 
um, and, and that stream is very efficient. You don't need to have a lot of bandwidth available. So in Maria's example, you could be living in a farm. Um, we've tested it using a mobile phone as the internet connection mechanism to drive the, the technology, and that works equally well, right? So, so the ability to now have a very good work-life balance um, increases exponentially. And, and to Maria's point, um, one of the major reasons why people are leaving the industry is burnout, right? Um, obviously, COVID accelerated that. People were being asked to work longer and harder and, and you know, hats off to everybody that did. Um, obviously, saved thousands of people's lives, but that's not sustainable. Um, but it's being asked to become sustainable, right? And so if if that's uh, a pressure that's being applied to the industry, the, the least that we can do is provide them a mechanism by which they can be productive, okay? And, and the old way of doing things just doesn't allow you to do that. So people were basically voting. They only had two choices, either carry on being in a stressful environment or leave. There was no alternative in between, right? So now what we're trying to do is try, we're trying to encourage people to stay um, by giving them a better work-life balance, by giving them the flexibility and the tooling and the environment for them to feel comfortable and contribute back on top of the work that they're doing um, and feel good about it, right? Um, you know, because as Maria is saying, radiologists don't need to be in a hospital. You know, these are specialist people that have year, years and years and years worth of training to be able to look at a cancer scan or look at a tumor or look at a, an X-ray and be able to very quickly understand what the issue is because you've got thousands of scans to get through, right? And so these people are very efficient people. They're very smart people. They need specialist kit. And so if you can provide them a, a working environment that's conducive to how they think, how they work, how they interact, um, then they're going to be happier. They're going to be more productive. They're going to be less stressful. They're going to contribute more. People ultimately it means patients get better, better patient care, right? From my own personal experience, my, my father has cancer. He's been waiting six weeks to have his scan diagnosed. You know, to my mind, that's unacceptable. You know, somebody could have died if you had cancer in the six-week period, right? So we're trying to address some of these inequality issues by giving the the, the hospitals, the radiologists, the industry, the tools to accelerate um, the, the the time it takes to, to provide the diagnosis that pe people just need. Right? Um, and the NHS, unfortunately, in the NHS, you know, the, the backlog is growing at a bigger pace than the number of radiologists available to be able to do the diagnosis. So it's, it's diverging rather than converging. Um, and, and that's a problem in itself, right? And that's an industry-wide trend. That's a global-wide trend. There's no, as I was saying earlier on, there's more ways of capturing data than there are of diagnosing data. So if we carry on diverging, you can see that the industry isn't, um, isn't helping itself, right? We're not training enough doctors to, into the radiology space because of all the reasons that we just touched on, you know, mental health, work, bad working environments, stress, anxiety, burnout. Um, so that's not, that's not encouraging doctors to come into the industry, right? They could be doing something else. And if they are coming into, in, into the industry, they're then choosing to work in private practice rather than for the public health systems, right? And that's also a problem because then um, organizations like the NHS have to then pay to, to third party organizations for them to get the the access to the people to be able to do the diagnosis. So everybody's losing out in that situation, right? So so as part of this, we're trying to, again, like I say, rebalance that equation to make sure that the right people have got the right tooling to do the right uh, diagnosis at the right time. Absolutely. And this is a great way to rebalance. I'm sorry to hear about your father may he have a speedy recovery. Um, I just think it's wonderful that you're providing this flexible environment and, you know, encouraging change and 
there will be more opportunities from that and uh, more people will be inclined to. Uh, we hope so. Uh, of course, absolutely. And uh, that's all you can do is create that environment and people will come. So you know what, Maria and Raul, thank you so much for being here with us today. You know, if people want to learn more, how can they get in touch with you? Do you have any socials? Yeah, um, so I'm, I'm I'm happy to share on the Intel side. So I know we touched on, you know, the this, this um, you know, distributed care framework, care now not being distributed just in a hospital, but into communities, into people's homes and with technology and telehealth solutions being leveraged at the patient, but also the medical expert side. Right. We've touched on all of that and Intel are doing a lot of interesting work in this space. So if you want to find out more, um, use your browser of choice and do a quick um, qu quick search on Intel in Health and Life Sciences, and that will take you to the next level of, of detail. But if you want to talk to somebody in the UK, um, you can connect with the UK Health and Life Sciences team at um, ukhealthcare at intel.com. Yep, from our perspective, I mean, you can find us on LinkedIn. Uh, we have a Mighty Start Health uh, page on LinkedIn. Obviously, you can go to our website, uh, again, Mighty Start Health. Um, and if you want to come out to me directly, please do. You can find my details <laughs> on the podcast. I'd be happy to talk to anybody who uh, has any kind of question. Um, more than happy to spare the time. I want to thank our audience for tuning in to Health and Life Sciences at the Edge, the series that makes sense of use cases across industries brought to you by the Intel IoT Group. Don't forget to subscribe to hear more from the Intel Internet of Things Group. Thank you. Thank you.